they're having a lot of trouble understanding how Jesus fit in with some of the other things that they were learning and taught. There was some, some heresy that had, had kind of seeped into the church there, and, and uh, they got to be confused about where Jesus fit. And Paul, very in this, in this incredible short uh, book, in this incredibly short letter, I should say, just very clearly says, where Christ belongs is supreme. He is supreme above everything. He is the ruler and creator of all of creation. He's the head of all the church and every believer. He is the head of every family. He is the the, the power that rules over every other power and authority. And he is above all. And he talks about those in terms of Christ's supremacy, but he also talks about it in terms of Christ's fullness, that he's the the fullness of all things, that in him the whole world holds together, and and in Christ we all have hope and redemption. And he just goes on and he talks about not only the supremacy of Christ, but the the sufficiency of Christ or the, the fullness of Christ. And he says, as a matter of fact, if you come to know the fullness of Jesus Christ, you've come to know the fullness that you need in your life. Amen? Just like what, what Trey was playing here, singing with, along with us, to, to leading us with, with us today, he's saying over and over again that Jesus Christ is all we need. It, that, that in him, in all of his fullness, and all of his grandeur, and all of his majesty, and all of his love, and all the perfections of his character, that he is the fullness of what we need. He's the, the things that we've been looking for in our lives, the things that we've been searching for in terms of significance and importance and fulfillment is found in the fullness of Jesus Christ because he is so complete. He is so sufficient. He is so supreme. Amen? We're going to be talking about that for the next coming weeks, and I can't wait. And, and let me tell you the reason why we all have this great desire, this great need for something bigger, something greater than ourselves. We have, have something, some needs to, to fit in. We have needs for, for, to find significance and fulfillment. And, and the Bible over and over and again says, when you're looking for this, it's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're looking for all of this, this is found only in, in Jesus Christ, and, um, um, and it's, it's really found. Let me point out, before we get started, we're, we're going to take this verse by verse, but today, let me point out just what I think and, and what other people have suggested might be the, the key verses in Colossians. Turn over with me to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to just read verses 9 and 10. I think this captures in two verses what Paul's going to say in, in, uh, in the rest of these chapters here in Colossians. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> For in Christ, all the fullness, he's going to use those terms full and supreme and ruler and and, and about Christ being all these encompassing and overarching things all over and over and over again in this letter. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. So let's stop there for just a moment. Let's talk about that. So what he's saying is all that is God is alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. All that is God, all of, his, his superior, all of his character, all of who he is, all of those things are found in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is both fully God and fully man. All the things that we give God credit for, for being holy and eternal and having a, you know, perfection in all of his character, being perfectly loving, perfectly holy, all of those things, Paul says, you're going to find that in all of its fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, now listen to how he changes and he uses that word fullness now in verse 10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Listen to what he says. He describes all the fullness of deity is alive in Jesus Christ, and all the fullness has been given to you. All of his fullness has been given to you in the Lord 
Jesus Christ. All the things that you need, all the things that you're looking for are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I was young, I had a hard time believing that. You know what I'm saying? When I was young, I thought, well, no, you know, I'm going to have a career and that's going to bring some importance and significance and some fullness in my life. I'm going I'm to be married and I'm going to have children. And all those things are great. All those things are wonderful blessings from God, but they're just a reflection of the fullness that are, that are in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are, these are just a representation or a blessing from where this really all comes from is our great, mighty Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, let's jump up and run around a little bit. Oh, not really. Let's just go on. I know we're all too uptight for that. So, so over in uh, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through this a little bit and, uh, and take this verse by verse. So if you have this with you, um, Paul's letters often start with an introduction. It's kind of funny. In, the, in these days, in those ancient days, they would start with um, the, the telling you who the letter's from. We always sign at the end. The, the, in, the, in ancient times, they wrote to, uh, to say who the letter was from. And so here he's going to start who he is and kind of a, a little bit about himself. Here, so here we go. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood it, understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our brother, or, I'm sorry, our fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen, amen. That's great stuff. Let's take this, let's talk about this just a little bit as we, let's just take this verse by verse for a little bit and we're going to kind of focus on the theme at the end of the chapter or the end of the passages that we read. So first of all, Paul identifies himself as an apostle. What, what Paul's saying here is that he's addressing these guys as an apostle. And what had happened is Epaphras was the one who had founded the church apparently in Colossae by, by what we know here in this book and as well as what we know from uh, the book of Philemon. But um, uh, Epaphras, we believe, he was from Colossae. They believe that he might have have come to Ephesians. You remember Paul spent some time, the long period of time in Ephesians, in Ephesus, I should say, with the Ephesians. And they believe that maybe he had come to Ephesus and had become a believer there and then went and founded the church, perhaps in Colossae. Um, we know, we believe that Paul never even visited Colossae. In chapter 2, he's going to say that he doesn't know the people of Colossae. He doesn't know them because he hasn't met them before, um, because he apparently didn't, um, didn't, didn't go there. But, but Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will and God of and Timothy, our brother. So, so Paul's writing here, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So, so here he's saying, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. What Paul's saying here is, I have the authority to write to you. 
I have the authority to correct you. I have the authority to teach you the truth because I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was one of the ones who'd been given special authority in the church to teach and correct and to lead. And he says, because of that, I'm writing you today. I am Paul, the apostle. It's interesting in some some of the other books, he refers to himself as a servant right, in, in other ways. But this time he refers to himself as an apostle. He does that in, a, in, another, uh, in some other places too. But, but here he refers to himself as apostle, probably because what was going on in, um, in Colossae at this time, Epaphras had come to Rome, and, and we believe that this, this letter was written about 60 AD. This was a time period where Paul was under house arrest in Rome. You remember that period of, in Acts where Paul's discussing, he was put under prison guard and, and, uh, and, and, and placed under house arrest when people would come and see him. And so they believe that this is part of those letters that Paul wrote while he was under house arrest in Rome. Epaphras travels to Rome for some reason, maybe to just to visit with Paul, but for, for some reason he travels to Rome and talks to Paul, and that prompts this letter. Because Epaphras, I believe, communicates some concerns. There are some, some heresies going around in the church in Colossae, and Epaphras goes to Paul to ask him to address it, it, it seems like. So Paul responds with this letter that he sends back um, and uh, to the church in Colossae to correct this, this heresy. And so what he's saying here is, I have the authority to tell you the truth. I have the authority to tell you what's really happening, what the truth is, and he's going to be presenting in this letter. Um, but so not only is he an apostle of Christ Jesus, but he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. It was God's choosing Paul. You remember the story of the Saul's conversion, Saul's conversion to Paul, where God went to him and he blinded him and he told him, I'm going to teach you how much you must suffer. I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And he became the apostle to the Gentiles by the will of God. And so I think that says a couple things. One is he's saying this teaching that I have, this wisdom that I have, these things that I'm going to tell you, these don't come from me. These are things that I've learned from God. These are things that I've learned in in his teaching. And so these are divine things. These are things of God that I'm telling you, and they're not my own. And so to that degree, maybe it's a little bit of humility, but it's also Paul saying, I'm speaking as an ambassador. I'm speaking as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ about these things that I'm telling you. And then he writes to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. I love that term, the holy and faithful brothers. I love that term because what it says to you, and if you read in in some other version, it'll say, say to the saints, right? It's to those people who've been set apart. It's those people who've been consecrated or 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 dedicated somehow, that they've been set apart from the world, that they're they're different and distinct, and they've been set apart from the world, and they've been set apart to God, and they've become God's own people, that we have become his own, his possession, his special people on the earth, just like was described of the the Israelites in the Old Testament. And so he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace that we always receive from the Lord, right? That that he has favor for us, that he is is for us as believers because we've come to believe in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is for you. Amen? Amen that he favors you, right? That, that he looks to be, to be kind to you and merciful to you and loving toward you, amen, because of the faith that you have in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. I love the term peace. And anytime you see peace in the, in the, in the Old Testament or the New Testament, this word peace, you know, we think of peace in terms of a lack of conflict, right? We talk about peace in the Middle East, and that means for a time there's no one shooting each other. In, in the Old and New Testament, in the Scriptures, the word peace has much more to say about that. It has to say, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a sense of wholeness. It's a sense of blessedness. It's a, it's a state of wholeness. It's much more than just an absence of conflict. It's a state of, of completeness or wholeness. And he says, this is what God has for us is peace and grace for us that he's, that he's speaking to the, to the believers in, in Colossians. Verse 3, 
we, listen to what he says. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Don't, don't you love that? He says, we're always thanking God for you. This is not dissimilar to what Paul would write in other, other letters. We thank God, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Listen to what he says. Why? Because, in verse 4, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. So he's, he's thanking them. He says, I thank God for you because you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've, you've, you've anchored your life in him. You've, you've, you've learned to depend on him. You've learned to, to rest on the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not only that, that you've learned to rest on the Lord Jesus Christ with your life, but you've also developed the, the natural outflowing from, from faith in Jesus Christ is, is on the outside looks like love, right? It looks like love for other people. And he says, you have come to love um, all the saints. Uh, in verse 5, faith and hope that's, I'm sorry, faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Let me pause there for just a minute. You see these three things mentioned very often, faith, love, and hope, right? You, you see those things. Paul will parallel, will, will bring those three things in together and talk about how they relate. What he's saying here is that we all have hope that is stored up for us in heaven. And and the hope that he's talking about here in particular is that we all have waiting for us in heaven, something that's treasured up for us. We all have what what Paul would refer to at other times as a glorious inheritance, right? Which This is the part of the scripture that just blows my mind. Somehow, Jesus Christ was fully obedient and never sinned. And he gets an inheritance of all of God's gloriousness. All of God's inheritance is going to be passed on to him as the first son. The craziness of the gospel is this, is that just because we've come to believe in him, we get to share in his inheritance. Paul would say we are co-heirs with Christ and an inheritance that we can't even imagine. Isn't that crazy? It's just, you know, if I didn't, I say this over and over again about this, but if I didn't read in the Bible, I just wouldn't believe it's true. But since it's in the Bible, it is truth. Amen? It is true. We get an inheritance beyond what we can imagine, and we hope for that, right? And here's the great hope is that our hope is not about all this stuff that we have on this planet. All this is going away. We're all going to leave it one day, right? Which is, you know, that's fine with me. Let's leave it here. Because what we have coming in this glorious inheritance, we can't even imagine. Yeah. Because of that hope, it springs forth with faith, and it springs forth with love for us because we know what's waiting for us is a glorious inheritance because of what Jesus Christ has done and what we get to share with him. Listen to what he says, that faith and love spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. Uh, let, let's, let's continue. Verse 6, uh, that gospel that has come to you all over the world, this, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard about it and understood God's grace in all its truth. I, I love what Paul here, says here. He says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Now, Paul can't be talking about the fact that he can't be saying that the gospel has been preached everywhere in every corner of the planet. At this time in the world, it, it, at this time in the, in the spread of the gospel, it just hadn't. It hadn't gotten that far. It, it, it had just broken out into, into Italy. It had just broken out into, into modern-day Turkey. But it certainly hadn't, been to, it hadn't yet spread to all the expanse of even the Roman Empire. But what Paul is saying here is that in every place that it's preached, the gospel takes hold. 
In every place that it's preached, the, the gospel takes hold and it impacts the lives of the people who will follow it, the people who have come to believe it, and it changes their lives. And when it changes their lives, it changes the lives of the people who know them. It changes the lives of their family. And the gospel just continues to grow and spread. It, it grows both in depth and then it grows deep inside of people and it changes their lives and it also grows in width in that it, it has no limit as to it, as to it, it, it expands. It just continues to spread. So it continues to get larger and it continues to get deeper and everywhere it's preached, in every society, in every language, it doesn't matter if they're Gentiles or Jews or what sort of pagan beliefs they have, the gospel takes hold. Amen? That's the power of the gospel, isn't it? It's, a, it's the power of God, as, as Paul would say in Romans. It's the power of God for salvation and by it people come to know how uh, God has planned that people will be saved Everywhere it's preached, it's taking hold all over the world, growing deeper into the lives of people and wider as it spreads um, in, the, uh, uh, in the people around them. And in your life and my life too, amen? Here's the view of the gospel that Paul's presenting. He says it grows deep in the lives of people and spreads out from the people it affects. Right? That, that's the kind of thing that we ought to be seeing in our own lives. Right? The, the, the gospel's continually growing deeper in me. That, that I, as I spend time with the Lord, as I spend time with Him, as I, as I spend time in the Word, that there's a deepening of my spirit. There's a deepening of my, of my faith. There's a deepening of my relationship with the Lord. There's a, there's a changing of my mind about what's important. There's a changing in my mind about how I view other people because I'm becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, right? But not only that, there's also a spreading of the gospel where the people around, I'm so, I'm so affected by the gospel that it affects the people around me. Amen? Amen. So be it, right? Lord, may it be so in my life. May it be so in yours as well. Amen. All right. So all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. So it's bearing fruit, and we could talk about bearing fruit in a couple of ways. One is is that the way that people act, the way that people move, but there is this deepening of the faith that's going on in the life of the believer, and it's growing. So it's bearing fruit inward and and growing outward. Um, Just as the day you understood from from the God's grace and all is true. Verse 7. You learned it from Epiphras, as we talked about, our, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Um, I love that. This is the only time that the Spirit's going to be mentioned in the, in the book of Colossians. And it's interesting to me that he mentions it in term of love for other people. Because of the Holy Spirit or, 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 or growing out of the Holy Spirit is this love that's developing within your heart because of this, this um, relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. Of course, we know that's true, right? If you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to love people. You know why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ loves people. Amen? Yeah, he does. That's right. Okay. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me pause there for just a second. I tell you, you know, I was telling you last week, it's hard to be the pastor because you're the first one who hears the sermon. Let me tell you what I heard um, this time. This was, this was tough. I thought this was brilliant. Um, um, they, uh, the, one of the commentaries uh, that I read said that our prayers for others are a test of our dedication to God and of our love for other people. Did you hear that? Let me read it again. Our prayers for others are a test of our dedication to God and of our love for other people. Okay? So let me tell you where that hits me, right? It was right, kind of right here. Um, what that says to me is that, is that you can see how much I love people and how much I'm dedicated to God based on how much time and effort I'm putting into prayer. Yeah, I know that steps on your toes, right? It steps on mine as well, right? 
you can t- it's a litmus test. You can, you can tell how much you love people and how much you're dedicated to God by how much time and how much energy and, and, and passion you're putting into your prayer life. That's, that's, that hurts a little bit, doesn't it? But isn't it interesting that Paul says, ever since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Yeah? May we be, may be, may we be likewise, amen, that we not stop praying for other people, that we not stop praying for the other saints and for each other. Um, and listen to what he's doing. He's, he's, he's asking God for some very specific things. I'm asking God in the middle of verse 9 to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, so remember we talked a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about the, the, the fact that, that um, knowledge, the, the idea here is that in Christianity, when you get a greater knowledge of who God is and what he's doing, the greater the impact is supposed to be in your life, right? You know very little about God, there's going to be little, very little change. You know more and more and more about God, the more there's going to be change in your life. Amen? May it be so. Right? So many times in our life, though, and maybe in our society, we just keep piling on truth and knowledge, and there's more knowledge, and there's more knowledge, and, and you know, you can get information overload easily, right? You can, you can go and listen to sermons from people all over the world. You can, you can Google search everything known to man. Uh, there is so much information. There is so much knowledge out there, but oftentimes there's so little change in our lives, Right? Right, so, so what he's saying here is that he's praying for this increase of knowledge, but it's not just for the sake of increase of knowledge. What he's praying for is that he's praying for them to have this increased knowledge of God, of them to, I love to say this, I love this kind of parallel, to have this greater canvas on which they can kind of understand God, this greater aperture that they can capture all that he's done and all that he is. But the purpose is just not so, just, isn't just so that we can win at Bible trivia. The, the purpose is, is it so that it could change your life and your relationships and the way that we pray and the things that we think and the things that we think are important every day affect. Amen? Every day. I'm praying for you, Paul says. I'm asking God to fill you with his knowledge with knowledge of his will. I, I love that. I, I pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're kind of curious. You know, we'll pray about what God's will is. Sometimes we're kind of curious, like, God, what do, you, what do you want me to do here? But sometimes we only want it because we want it as like, well, that's an option, right? What he's saying here is that, no, I want you to know God's will so that you can follow him. I want you to know him so that you can follow him. I want you to know him more so that you can understand his will and, and follow him in, in obedience, and have change happen in your life. And we pray this in order that you, and verse 10. Here's, here we go. Here's we, here we get in the crux of the sermon here this morning. And we pray this in order. So what's he saying? We pray for you to have knowledge of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that, here you go, you may live a life worthy of the Lord. How about that? That you may live a life Worthy of the Lord. I tell you, I, I hear those things, and I, I think it's maybe because I'm a man, but that, that worthiness of a calling like that just really speaks to my heart. You know, this, this kind of gets me going. This, this, gets my, this get, kind of gets my, uh, uh, my uh, adrenaline kicking in. But to, to live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus, I, I, you know, it just really gets me kind of motivated. You know what I'm saying? But the other thing is, the other thing I think, though, is, that, is this, how am I ever going to live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ? I, I can't. We can't, can we? We can't do it. We're, we're not capable of living a life that's worthy of all that the Lord Jesus Christ has done, that's worthy of, of the life that he's given us, worthy of the fullness that we've just been talking about in him. How do we? Here's the great thing. 
Here's the great thing and about what Paul would write, and especially in the book of Romans. He would say, when you follow God in obedience, it's glory for the Lord Jesus Christ. When you, when you do what the Lord Jesus is calling you to do, he, Paul would write that you're fulfilling the Old Testament law. Yeah? When you, in love, you sacrifice for your wife or your husband. When you, in love, you do things for your children because you love them. And especially for someone, but especially for someone who, who can do nothing for you. When you show love to them and you do it because the Lord Jesus Christ has done it for you, you are fulfilling the Old Testament law is what Paul would say in Romans. It's crazy, isn't it? You are fulfilling the Old Testament law. So, so here's the deal. In all of our imperfection, our simple and yet imperfect obedience in following the Lord Jesus Christ, that is fulfillment of the Old Testament law. Th- that is living a life that's worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. We're never going to be 100% there. But listen, as imperfect as we are, this is the plan. This is it right here, that you and I might live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to talk about four things here. We are called to live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to talk about four things. He's going to talk about in verse 10, he's going to talk about in fruitfulness and bearing fruit. The second thing he's going to talk about in growing in the knowledge of God. The third thing he's going to talk about is in endurance and patience. And the fourth thing he's going to talk about is in gratitude. He says, live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he's going to explain, and here's what it looks like fruitfulness, growth in the knowledge of God, endurance and patience and gratitude. So, so, um, uh, so let's, let, yeah, let's talk about this for just a moment. Um, let's, go, let's talk about the knowledge of God. The, the knowledge of God, and he talks about that in the verse above, and he talks about it in verse 10 and verses 9 and 10. He talks about this increasing knowledge of God. This talks about a, a deep knowledge of God. It, it talks about a, a knowledge of God that, that, you can, that you actually know him like you would know a person, like you would, li- you, like you would know what that person likes, right? This is one of the things that I, I love in, talking about in, in marriage relationships or dating relationships. One of the first things you want to know about a person, especially in a dating relationship, is what do you like, right? What are your interests. Let's see, are your interests similar to my interests? It's one of the things that we want to know about God. God, what do you like? How can I, how can I live in a way that pleases you? What do you like? But listen, that, that doesn't happen secondhand. You know what I'm saying? Like when you dated your wife, and, and I hope men like this wasn't you, you didn't like go to a friend of yours and say, tell me what she's like, and then, oh, ask her if she'd like to go you know, steady, and then, then talk to her, and then I'll go out, and then I'm going to tell you the things that I like, and then you can tell her. It doesn't work secondhand, does it? This has to be done person to person. Listen, this is a very personal thing that, that Paul's, Paul's asking us to do, that Paul tells us to do. To live a life worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ means you have to get to know him. You have to know him. You've got to put in the time there in the word of God. They're praying to him, passionately pursuing him as a person. And this, what we as good Baptists say over and over again, in a what? Personal relationship, right? We're famous for this, by the way, right? That's, that's good Baptist, right? We're famous for this personal relationship because the Bible reflects it over and over. The word's never used in all of scriptures, but it's what, this is what it's talking about in this personal relationship with God, where you're growing in knowledge of him, not because you've heard it from some preacher, not because you've read it by some guy that you like to read, because you've spent the time to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. Amen? Amen? It's the only way, really, 
It's the only way. You're not going to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to be growing in knowledge of him and who he is and what he's like if you're not spending that time on your own there with him in person. Amen? That's what he's calling us to. So the first thing is the, is the knowledge of God. The second thing he talks about is, is in bearing fruit. This is interesting. The, the term that he uses here is, is in the present tense. It means that, the, that you're continually bearing fruit. You're bearing fruit all of the time. That you're, and, and maybe bearing fruit here has several things in mind. Maybe it's in acts of worship that you're bearing fruit in your own life and that, and that you have this, this, uh, this desire to worship and to praise God with your life. Uh, maybe it's also an active service. You know, it's a funny thing about God that God says, you love me, serve others right? He doesn't say, you love me, serve me. He says, you love me, serve other people. Love them, right? Love them like I've loved them. Love them like I showed you through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and also, as active growth as a believer, you know, these are all fruit of the Christian life. And, and we can think about in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, right, that is first built on love, right? That there's this active fruit in your life. There's this active growing, and it looks like on the outside. What, is that, what does that fruit look like that you're developing on the inside? When people look at it, they say, he or she loves people. Yeah, isn't that great? I, I, I love that. I, I love that about, about the way God works is that and a change on the inside on the outside looks like love. Looks like love for other people. All right. Um, so that's about bearing fruit. Let's talk about, how about in verse 11? Read with me. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Listen, I, I never want to get to the point where I tell you in a sermon, go figure out how to do this on your own. I, I never mean that. If I, if I ever say something and I don't ever come back to say, and this is all by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, let me caveat all of that to say, this is all by the Holy Spirit who is at work within you, okay? This is one of those things that is both fully God and fully you and me, right? This is where we rely on God strengthening and his, his might. You know, this, this, uh, this book, we believe, was written about the same time as the book of, uh, I shouldn't say book. These are epistles. These are letters. This letter was written about the same time as the letter to the Ephesians. This is very similarly written to the book, to the letter. I'll get it in a minute. To the letter to the Ephesians. And one of the things that Paul says there is that the power that it was at work in the Lord Jesus Christ, that power that raised him from the dead is at work within you and me. The power that it took to raise Jesus Christ, to bring him over from being dead from, for three days and coming over to life, that divine power that God expressed in him is expressed in the life of you and me. And get this beautiful picture. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He was raised from that, from that first life to a second life. You and I get, are, are raised from that old, dead, sinful nature to a new life. And it's all by the power of God at work in us. Amen? It's all by his power. It's all by his might. And so, so here's, here's the deal. Here's the confusion, right? Is, I was reading, I um, 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 can't remember his name. Um, it will come to me. It'll come to me about 10 minutes after I finish the sermon today. Basically, he, he writes this. He says, there, there are those people who believe that they have all the responsibility for, for their own spiritual growth. And then there are people who say they have no responsible for growth and it's all God. And then there, there are people in the middle who say, I'm confused, Right? The, 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 it's the people in the middle who have it right. It is both fully God and it is both you and me. We have a part to play in our own development, don't we? Right? I mean, if you're not going to be in the Word, if you choose that you're not going to be in the Word, if you choose that you're not going to be in prayer, you're not going to be growing much. However, we have verses like this that say, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. It is, an, it is the activity, it is the empowering of the Holy Spirit within us that is able to do these things in us. And the very next thing he says, and what it produces, that, that strengthening, that might of God that works in within us produces what? 
Patience and endurance, right? Patience and endurance. Yeah, patience is that, is that, is that long-suffering. Endurance is that, is that ability to hang on through difficult times. It's that, that ability to continue to have faith in God no matter what, on, what all is going on around us. That's that, that's that pace and endurance. It's, it's, it's um, you know, we think of patience and endurance as being kind of passive things, that these are things that we're just kind of hanging on, sitting back, waiting. It, listen, in the Greek, it's just not that way. This is a very active, it's much more like strength in waiting. It, it's much more like, it's, it's much more like the, the strength that it takes to hold on. It's a very active, these are very active words in the, in the Greek. Um, and then the last thing, so we've talked about it. it's growing in the knowledge of God. It's continually bearing fruit, this life that's worthy of God. It's, it's continuing in patience and, and endurance to, to hold on to your faith as we just, as we just in strength hold on. And the last thing uh, in, is uh, the final virtue of a worthy life is gratitude, right? Um, here's the deal. Um, no matter what you have going on, and all of us have things going on, is anyone living life right now without any struggles? Anyone? I, I, I thought that might be true. Uh, every one of us has struggles. Every single one of us. Matter of fact, it seems like if you're not going through the struggle, you're just getting ready for the next one, right? Um, there's just constant struggles in this life, aren't there? It's one of the reasons why God says, you know what? I'm going to do away with this, and we're going to try something better, right? I'm ready. Let's do better. I'm ready today, right? There's just constant struggles, right? There's constant struggles in relationships. There's strong, constant struggles with money. There's constant struggles with your children. There's constant struggles in our, in our marriage. There's constant struggles with our friendships. There's constant struggles all over, all around, all the time. But here's the great thing. None of that negates the greatness of all that Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? And you know, sometimes, here's the bad thing. Sometimes in our attitude, we act like all of that negates what Jesus Christ has done. L listen, it's never true, is it? That's never the truth. The, tr the truth is always, you know, compared to the struggles I have, the greatness of what Lord Jesus Christ has done for me, the love that he's shown for me, the, the love that he demonstrated for me in my life, and that, and that he died for my sins, even though I was so unworthy, the fact that he's called me over to be his son, that he's called me into his kingdom, from, and he's rescued me from this dominion of darkness, the fact of the matter that he's done that, makes all these other problems very trivial. Doesn't mean they're not real. Doesn't mean they don't hurt. Doesn't mean that they're not some struggle that God's calling us to have to endure and be patient through. But what it says is that we can always have gratitude. We can always have a thankfulness and a praise of God because of all that he's done for us, no matter what else is going on. Amen? Um, I, I, um, however great our troubles, our blessings are ever greater. Amen? However great our troubles, are, our blessings are always greater. So there you have it. There you have it. We, uh, we are called to live a life that's, that's worthy, a life of f fruitfulness, a life where we're growing in knowledge of God, being in the presence of God, learning wh who he is and what he's like and what he wants us to do, growing in endurance and patience, that strength in, in holding on and growing in a gratitude um, of grace. And then he kind of ends it, I think it's interesting, in verse 12. He says, in verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who is, listen to what he says. He, he gives us four reasons to be thankful. Uh, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's kind of what we were talking about later earlier, is that uh, we, we get to share in the inheritance with all the other saints with the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, right? You were lost. I was lost. We, we were going around, acted as if God had no authority or right over our lives. 
and he redeemed us for that. We tread on his glory, and we tread on his authority over us, and we said, you know, I, 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 I don't want what you want. I want what I want, and I want to be Lord of my life, and we still struggle with that some still today, don't we? I, I, I want nothing to do with any of that, and, and yet God reached down, and he redeemed us from that brokenness, and he rescued us from that dominion of darkness that, that when sin had power over us, and he rescued us from that, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We've been transferred, right, from the dominion of darkness over to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's finally it. We have redemption. He's redeemed us, and he's forgiven our sins. Let me, let me close with this. Here's, here's what I'd like to say. We're going to be reading and studying a lot in this chapter about how supreme and the great lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ over our lives. One of the things that we're going to come back to every week is this. Is it how much sway does the Lord Jesus Christ have in your life? I'm going I'm to talk to you. Paul's going to express to us that, 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 that Jesus has all authority over all of creation. Every, every muon, every, every planet, every star, doesn't matter what color, you know, supernova. Every, he's, got, he's got power and authority over it all. How much power, how much lordship does he have in your heart? How much lordship does he have in your life? We've touched base on a number of things that the Apostle Paul's written about today, but in regards to prayer, where are you at? Does, does Christ have lordship over that time in your life? Does he, does he have lordship over that time that you spend before him? How, how, about, in terms, <clears throat> how about in terms of fruitfulness? Are, are, you, are you continually fruitfulness in the kingdom? How, how about in terms of of, uh, of growth and knowledge of God? Are, are, do you spend time? Does he, have, does he have the lordship over your time so that, so that you're, you're spending time, dedicated time, spending time with the Lord Jesus? How about in endurance and patience? Does he, does he have that authority over your life? Does he have that lordship? Are you, are you hanging on to him because he's Lord and Savior of your life? How about in gratitude? Listen, I struggle with this one a lot. Right? There's so many things going on, so many things, especially at work, that just drive me crazy, drive me batty, and it's hard for me to maintain an attitude of gratitude. I stole that from a bumper sticker. Um, it's hard for me to maintain an attitude of gratitude a lot, right? It's a struggle for me. It's very hard not to be very negative about things, isn't it? It just is when, we're, when we go through difficulties in our lives. Does he have that place? Is it, does he have that place of authority in you? Listen, he's, he's a Lord over all creation, but he's a gentleman, and he only takes from you what you'll give, right? Only takes that time that you'll give. Let's close uh, with this. Trey would like to, like to share a song, and as, as he does that, let me just ask you to, to just reflect on those words, and then we'll be dismissed after this. Um, this is kind of a funny random thing. Uh, what he's talking about is kind of what this song is. Um, and sorry, this is like an, an every, all the jeans that have this little pocket, it's like endless. It's perfect. Um, what he's talking about this song, I wrote this at YWAM. And, uh, some of you, if not all of you, hopefully all of you, everybody that's in that directory should get my newsletter. Um, and I've been talking a lot about music's just coming to me. God's speaking to me through music right now a lot. Um, and the big thing is this song. The song I'm about to sing, it's called Riverside. If, you follow, if you're my friend on Facebook, you've heard it, hopefully. Um, I want to explain this song because it's kind of actually what David's talking about. You guys um, are huge in my support. Um, you know, I'm back because I was sent back to fundraise. 
and gain support. Um, and uh, they were asking me, like, well, does your, I mean, who do, you, who do you talk to back home? They want to know, like, how support's going. Everybody keeps up with me. And I tell them, well, my church has always supported me from the beginning um, with everything. Even when people are not exactly supporting me in what I do, this church, and there's faces I haven't even seen here before and stuff, but you coming here, you sitting in this, these chairs, almost said pews, <laughs> um, you're showing that you support the vision of the church and also the vision that they've sent me out on. Um, the first verse of this song talks about that jealousy of um, the life I wish I had and that my parents stayed together and that uh, um, I there's this little boy I talk about and I'm like, I wish I had what he had, but I don't. And he gives me advice. And then the second verse is about how I wanted so bad just to, like, have that passion to just want to get married and have a family, you know. I just want to be a good dad and a good husband. Better than, you know, I want to be not better in a bad way, but the next best thing than my father and the father before him. And the last verse is about what God told me while I was thinking about all that. And it's funny, this song, it's it's not depressing, no. <laughs> but uh, I can't help but put a little bit of my personality into it because I just... When I write, God's like, you know, I've made you who you are for a reason. I'm loud and obnoxious, if, if people that know me. And uh, I'm a people person. And uh, But God said I made you that way for a reason. So I really hope you guys enjoy this. Um, the song's called Riverside. see a boy on a dock with a line he's got a net full of fish and all of God's time but I won't get that even if I wait I could sit here for years and the fish would just steal my bait he's got a dad that's chopping down a tree and a mom that brings sweet company. And I asked how he did it. He said it takes time. Patience is key, so quit looking for a sign. You see, I'm just a boy floating on a stream with nothing but a pole. Fishing for a dream, my boat's all beat up. And I'm short my oars, gazing on the riverside, wanting something more. And I hear a girl that sings with the rain Try to find her to ask for a name And I see brown curls and eyes like the sky She glances at me as I drift on by She stands from the grass and I say hello she asks if I need help, and I say no. Cause I let her see my boat, but not what's inside. If she knew who I was, then she would run and hide. See, I'm just a boy floating on a stream with nothing but a pole. Fishing for a dream, my boat's all beat up, and I'm short my oars, gazing on the riverside. Wanting something more. 
gets dark, I can't see. But I can hear a man walking toward me. Puts out his hand to help me out, but I'm not ready to be found. He says, where will you go when your boat starts to sink? Then will you take my hand and will you trust me? So I take his hand and I start to drown. He says, have faith, I'm your solid ground. And he said, you're just a boy floating on a stream with nothing but a pole. And you're fishing for a dream. Your boat's all beat up and you show your oars. But I'm walking on water and you don't need the shore. And I said, I'm just a boy floating on a stream with nothing but a pole. And I'm fishing for a dream. My boat's all beat up and I'm sure my oars. But he's walking on water and I don't need those shores.